Hey guys, we're so excited to share this message with you on the Center Set podcast. My name is Ethan and I lead worship here at Center Set. We'd love for you to download our app so that you can keep up with all that is happening in our community. Text Center Set to 77977 to download. Come on, man. You may be seated. You may be seated. If we have not met, my name is Ali and my beautiful wife and I, we, we started this church four years ago at Santana Row and it's crazy to see where where God has taken us. Not only do we have a new location, we got a new name. You might be seeing people wearing shirts around. If you want one, these are free next week, free 99. You tell, you tell them, you know the pastor, you get a 20% discount. Uh, but it's an opportunity for you to invite a friend. Because even though we make more money in Silicon Valley than anywhere else in the country, when you say free on anything, people will show up. And so we're just giving you tools to help you invite your friends and uh, we are in a collection of talks that we are kicking off today called All the Feels. All the Feels. And it's really a collection of talks for the next three weeks around depression, anxiety, and mental health. And I'm going to make a case today that we went through two pandemics, and we're in one, another one right now. The, the first one was COVID, and everyone's talking about that one. The second one is the mental health crisis that no one is talking about. And I'm just going to kind of warn you, if you're new to Center Set, it's going to feel like I'm preaching very slow, calm today. But if you know, if you call this place home, I am louder than your mom in here, okay? <laughs> and we're a loud church, and I'm usually preaching the house down. Because of the nature of today's topic, I'm going to slow down. I'm going to teach today because I'm a surgeon doing surgery. And for some of you in this room, you, you have a silent depression no one knows about and you smile it away, but on the inside you're hurting. If you see the text on the screen, someone say amen. amen. Then Jesus left the vicinity of Tyre and went through Sidon, down to the Sea of Galilee and into the region of the Decapolis, which means 10 cities. There some people brought to him a man who was deaf and could hardly talk, and they begged Jesus to place his hands on him. After he took him aside, away from the crowd, Jesus put his finger into the man's ear. This is a biblical text allowing me to give you wet willies, by the way. <laughs> Just letting you know. Then he spit and touched the man's tongue. He looked up to heaven and with a deep sigh said to him, Ephaphtha, which means be opened. At this, the man's ears were opened, his tongue was loosed, and he began to speak plainly. Jesus commanded them not to tell anyone. But the more he did so, the more they kept talking about it. People were overwhelmed with amazement. He has done everything well, they said. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. I want to speak to you for the next couple of minutes around this idea. Death by breath. Death by breath. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't stop breathing. Turn to your other neighbor that you forsaked in church. Don't stop breathing. Don't stop breathing. Let me pray before we begin. Thank you, Jesus, that we can gather around your word, that your word is active, living, and sharper than any double-edged sword. That it pierces us. God, we need your word to pierce our soul today, not just our mind. God, bring hope in a hopeless situation. God, I believe that there are people in this room that are suffering silently, too afraid, too ashamed to say anything. But God, today, 
It's going to be a day where it's okay to not be okay. God, we came in one way, Jesus, but we want to leave another. We want to talk more like you, love more like you, act more like you. And if you believe that, everybody said, Amen. everybody said, Amen. Amen. Uh, researching this, this sermon, uh, I came across a, a study by the man by the name of Dr. Carl Pilmer. He's a professor at Cornell University, and he's a professor of human development. Some of you went to public school like me, like, what is that? He studied old people. He studied aging and Uh, He's the leading researcher in America, and he did this massive study where they interviewed 1,200 senior citizens, um, and they asked this one question, what is your biggest regret in life? And there was one answer that kept getting repeated over and over and over again, and it was simply this, we wish we wouldn't have worried so much. We wish we wouldn't have worried so much, and one one doctor said it like this, 85% of the stuff we worry about never happens, and the Apostle Paul says like this in Philippians 4. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything. Someone say everything. In your marriage, in your finances, in your singleness. By prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God. Someone shout peace. peace. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Show of hands. Who could use some extra peace tonight? Come on. Everyone. I've never met anyone who says, I'm full of peace, Pastor Ali. I asked them not to add that extra shot at Starbucks. I have too much peace. No one's, we all need more peace, amen? And what's interesting is even though we all need more of it, we could read these studies about how we all worry too much. So how do we live in light of that truth? That we're anxious. That we're worried. That we're stressed out, even though we know we shouldn't be. And Paul gives us the remedy, the prescription. It's not to be anxious about anything, your marriage, your kids, your finances, that wayward son, that boss who's stepping on your back, right? And he says, I want to give you a peace that surpasses understanding, which means it doesn't matter what your bank account says. It doesn't matter how toxic your family is. It has nothing to do with your circumstances because doctors can't explain it. Scientists can't understand it. It doesn't just heal your soul. Listen, it surpasses understanding will guard your hearts and your mind. Why would God add that? Because he cares about your mental health. Some of you need to know that tonight, that God doesn't just care about your spirit and your soul. He cares about your mental health. He wants you to be peaceful. I'm going to show you where this peace comes from in a moment. And This word anxious, it actually comes from the word worry. And worry, when we look at the original language, it's on the screen. The definition is to choke or to strangle. Is that not good? When you're stressed out, when a situation's overwhelming, it feels like you can't breathe. You're just overwhelmed. It feels like you're, you, you can't get the breaths out. You can't, can't function. What is it? It's, it's to be choked. And it's so crazy that, you know, Pastor Yaz and I, we, we, we're constantly saying hi to new people every week. And even the people that call this place home, we're always like, how are you? Like, oh, my gosh, I'm good. And how are the kids? Oh, yes, they're great. You know, and people always say the good answers. And. And then once we get past the pleasantries, it's, no, but seriously, how are, how are you really? How are you really doing? And almost everyone we talk to has this low-grade anxiety. Oh, I'm, I'm really stressed out about work. Oh, man, I, I can't tell you my marriage is actually really suffering. Man, school is overwhelming right now. And it's crazy how many people, it doesn't matter if it's your school or your marriage or your finances or your family, 
everyone's feeling this anxiety, this, this stress. You can't breathe. And I, I love that God gives a remedy. He gives a prescription. And I want to encourage you if you're here tonight. God doesn't want to just say, suck it up, buttercup. He doesn't say, just try harder. He wants to give you a peace that your doctors, your friends, your family do not understand. It's a peace that surpasses understanding. Anybody grateful for Jesus? Anyone for grateful? It was the Danish philosopher Soren Kierengard who said this, that despair is the sickness unto death. It's the silent killer. And what's crazy is I don't even need to ask you to raise your hand. But from March 2020 to now, I wonder how many people in this room, you know, don't raise your hand, have felt so overwhelmed they can't breathe. That they stayed up at night wondering how they're going to get through. And actually, what I'm going to share is some statistics that we're not just in one pandemic. We're in a second pandemic. And the first statistics I want to show you is this, that I don't need you to raise your hand because we are the most depressed we've ever been as a country. 41% depression is up 41% since March 2020. Anyone remember what March 2020 was like? Anyone remember grocery shopping? It was crazy, right? You wear, like, sweatpants and a hoodie, double mask, wear gloves. I felt like I was robbing a bank. And then I felt like I was walking through the grocery store holding my breath as I walked by people, right? And if that wasn't stressful enough, I get home, and my wife's like, you're not coming in the house. Take your clothes off. I'm like, honey, you don't speak like this way in the bedroom. Calm down, right? What is this? And she's like, no, I'm, you're not coming in the house. And I, first time, I literally didn't expect this. I had to strip, throw all my clothes in the washer dryer. Then it got worse. We spent an hour cleaning all the groceries. Remember those days? You washed everything for an hour. There was one time, I'm, I'm not even kidding. I came home, I didn't wash my hands. I touched the doorknob. My wife, are you, do you love me? Are you trying to kill me? Because we didn't know, right? It was so stressful. And then it doesn't matter what your drug of choice was, whether it was CNN or Fox News, it only amplified that pain, right? It was stressful. And what's crazy is now two years after the fact, the CDC says that the number one reason why people died because of COVID was obesity, 80% of people. But here's another fact I want to show you. The number two reason was fear and anxiety. They died because they thought they couldn't make it. And they couldn't breathe. It was death by breath. Number two reason. And I'm going to get a little bit darker. We talk about gun control, and I believe in gun control. You come in my house, hurt my family, I'm going to use my gun to control you. Come on. <laughs> and we talk endlessly about why we should try to control guns. But listen, this statistic is going to shock you. There are twice as many suicides in our country right now as there are homicides. We can talk about guns killing people, but we're killing ourselves twice as likely. That's crazy to me. That's crazy to me. And this next point is going to shock some of the parents in the room. That the number two cause of death among kids 11 to 30 is suicide. The number two cause of teenagers killing themselves is suicide. I, I, have, a, I have two girls. I have a six-year-old and a three-year-old. I want to expose them to everything. Swimming, dancing. My six-year-old wants to go to a cooking class. And whether you're a communist or a capitalist, soccer or baseball, you take them to sports, Right? You want to expose it. I, I remember when my daughter was 18 months old, I taught her how to cross the street. Hold my hand, honey. Don't look to the left. Look to the right. When you don't see any cars, then we cross. And this statistic tells me that when my daughter's nine, I got to talk to her about not killing herself because that's the number two killer in America. 
I would argue that we are in another pandemic, a mental health pandemic. And if there's one place, come on, that you can find hope and healing, it's in the house of God. Amen? Amen? Come on. God wants to give you a peace that surpasses understanding. And and what's, what's crazy is that the pressure was so high in 2020 and 2021 that people couldn't handle living here. There was this, what, this great exodus. More people moved out of California in 2020 and 2021 than the last 100 years. And then last year was what's called the great re- resignation. People couldn't handle their job. It was too stressful, so they quit. I promise you there will be statistics in the coming months and years about the great divorce, not just with church but with marriage. I want to speak today to those people that feel stuck and you can't leave. You can't move away. You can't end the family. You can't walk away in the marriage. And you think the only way to end the pain is to kill yourself. And there are so many people in this room that think those thoughts but never share it with anyone. I wrote down like this, suicide is a permanent solution to a temporary problem. In 2020, the number one most downloaded sermon was the first week of quarantine. Everyone's at home. You have to watch church. And then every week from then on, every pastor in America will tell you that attendance online dropped. The number two sermon that year was the one sermon I preached on mental health. It just struck a chord. And back then, I preached on these are things you might be struggling with. This sermon, the heart is different because these are things I'm struggling with. That's why I'm not preaching on it for one week. We're talking about it for three weeks. And next week I'm going to talk about on Easter, I'm going to make it the hope, most hopeful sermon you can hear about. What do you do when your bubble pops? And in two weeks, the week after Easter, it's how do you ambush anxiety? If there's ever a time to invite a friend, a family member who's struggling with life, it's the next two weeks. I'm telling you. We are in a global mental health pandemic and no one's talking about it. It's crazy. Don't stop breathing. If I could just tell some of you that today. You're you're silently suffering and no one knows. Don't stop breathing. You don't need to die to end the pain. And what's crazy is this this sermon title that called Death by Breath is a play on words. That breathing has not only practical implications, there are spiritual implications. And practically speaking, we we breathe, the average person breathes 22,000 times in a day. That's a lot of breaths. And what's crazy is that the average woman talks 20,000 times a day, which implies you almost talk more than you breathe, ladies. That's crazy. But when you breathe, your body, what it does is your heart rate goes up. And when you exhale, it goes down. And when you breathe deep breaths, and you do it over and over again, what happens is your heart rate begins to match your breathing rate, and it releases endorphins. Psychologists and therapists will tell you one of the easiest ways, one of the cheapest ways to manage your anxiety is to just breathe. Control your breathing. The the yoga people didn't invent this. Jesus put that there, by the way. (laughs) But if I can speak practically to the the practicality of breathing, and then I'll get to the spiritual implications. Just off the top of my head, What is suicide? Suicide is no breath. What is anxiety? Choked breath. What is depression? Listen, it's it's slowed breath. Slowed breath. And literally our nation is dying 
because we're not breathing. And I love that our Savior Jesus left heaven and died on a cross for us, and he stopped breathing so that you can never stop breathing. Amen? He died. Doctors will tell you that Jesus did not die from the flesh wound or the blood wounds. He died of asphyxiation. His was truly a death by breath. And he suffered that death so that you could never stop breathing. I'll give you some practical things about breathing. Number one, it's anchored in the present moment. God's peace is not in the future. God's peace that you experience is not in the past. It's in the present. And so much of anxiety and depression and mental health want to get you to the regret of yesterday and the worry of tomorrow. And when you focus on breathing today, right now, it focuses on the now, focuses on breathing, and allows you to focus on the presence of God that's here today. Second thing about breathing practically gives you, it's, it's always available. You can be anywhere. You don't, have to be, you don't have to be around anyone or anywhere. You simply go, Jesus. And if you're super spiritual, Yahshua. Do it anytime you want. Third thing about Breathing practically, it, it teaches us to let go. Some of you need to let go of the fear, let go of the shame, let go of the past, let go of the performance that you're carrying. But I love that breathing doesn't just have practical implication. There is spiritual. I want to read you this verse in Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. One translation says, Formless and void, or, or is filled with chaos. It's important that you re- recognize that. It's filled with chaos. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the spirit, somebody shout spirit. spirit. That Hebrew word is ruach. I'm not going to make you say it, by the way. <laughs> Sounds like there's popcorn in the back of your throat. <laughs> right? <laughs> but what's crazy is that this word, ruach, shows up a hundred times in the Old Testament. Half the time, it's translated spirit, and the other half, it's breath. It's the same word. So literally, the breath of God is hovering over the chaos. I wonder how many people in this room feel like their life is full of chaos, that it's broken. And you feel the only way to fix the problem is stop breathing. No, no, no. You need God's breath over it. Because out of the chaos, watch what happens. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters, over the chaos. Out of chaos, God brought creation. The beauty of the world was first ugly and broken before it became beautiful. And all it needed was the breath of God. Genesis chapter 2, it continues. Then the the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed. Someone say breathed. Breathed. It's the ruach again. Into his nostrils, the breath of life. And man became a living being. It's crazy that dirt is just that, dirty. Some of you, your life is messy. It's dirty. And the only way that you think you can clean it up is by stopping breathing. And what you don't realize is God is in the business of taking chaos and dirty things and with his breath, bringing creation and life out of it. You need to, don't stop breathing. Someone say, don't stop breathing. Don't stop breathing. breathing. Some of you in this room that you think the only solution is to stop breathing. You don't need to stop breathing to end the pain. And and my third example is this word Yahweh. Someone say Yahweh. Yahweh. I love that the top word is how you actually spell it. The bottom one is actually how it shows up in your Bible. Learn this in seminary that the, that, that the Hebrew scholars are called copiers. 
This is before that there was the printing press, that there were professional copiers. They're called scribes, by the way. Anyone related or married to a, a, a grammar Nazi? Come on. I have personal pain. I know what I'm talking about. I love, we love these people. They correct your text messages, your emails, all the time. That's what scribes did. They corrected everything in the scriptures to make sure it was every dot, every comma. Everything was perfect. That was their job. And on purpose, they skipped the vowels. Out of reverence for God, they didn't want to blaspheme God. They had so much honor and respect for God that they misspelled. And theologians didn't understand what was going on. And these same theologians say that the reason they spell it on the bottom is because it sounds like breathing. <gasps> Yahweh. Yeah, Yahweh. And the question is, when was the first time you said God's name? It was the first time you breathed. And the question is, so when does life end? Does life end when you stop breathing? Or does it end when you stop saying God's name? And the theologians say it's, it's the same thing. It's the same thing. And those are examples in the Old Testament. And I want to show you one from the New Testament. And this is John chapter 20. This is, three, this is 40 days after Jesus died. If you don't know who Jesus is, he's the son of God. And he's fully God and fully man. And we don't worship a, a building or a book. We worship Jesus because he's the only one that died and came back from the death. Amen. And last next week we're talking about how the tomb is empty and there's a lot of good news to tell. Amen. And Jesus, he's, he's talking to his disciples, his posse, his entourage. And he says, again, Jesus says, peace be with you. Why is a resurrected Jesus telling his disciples not to be anxious? Because they're stressed out. They feel like life is choking them. They can't breathe because they've already gone three days without Jesus and they just spent the next four days with him and now Jesus is leaving again. And like, we can't do this without you. We can't live without you. We can't, we can't do ministry without you. And Jesus is like, I know you're stressed out. I know you're struggling. But I want to give you a peace that surpasses understanding. And peace is not positive vibes, by the way. Watch what Jesus does. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. And with that, he, what's that word? Breathe. The New Testament word is pneuma. The Old Testament word is ruach. It's the same thing. It's the breath of God. And he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. In John 15, Jesus tells us what the Holy Spirit is. He is God. He's the third person of the Trinity. He is a comforter and a counselor. And I'm all about counseling. I'm in counseling myself. But you know what's better than counseling? The counselor. You, you can spend time with anyone in this church, but there's someone who, who knows every brokenness in your heart, every past wound, every, all the drama in your family, the one that can speak into the brokenness and bring life. His name is the Holy Spirit. And the reason why Jesus, I can give you a peace that surpasses understanding because peace is not a vibe. It's not a thing. It's a person. His name is the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit. And you need, listen, you need, you, you cannot just have him as last week we talked about. He's not the chili peppers on the In-N-Out hamburger. He's the necessity of life. That's why David says, no matter where I go, even if I'm in the valley or on the mountaintop, you're with me. Because the Spirit of God will dwell within you. Peace is a person. And he surpasses understanding. What's crazy is in the story in Mark chapter 7 is we were a guy who is deaf and can't speak. 
It's crazy. The words that we say matter more about what we hear than what we think. And some of you, you, you change your language first by changing your heart, but also by changing what you listen to. And this man, he can't speak because he can't hear. And in one of the Gospels, it's not this story, but one of the Gospels, these men, of the followers of Jesus, they ask Jesus, hey, Jesus, why is this guy lame? Why can't he walk? Did he sin or did his parents sin? And Jesus says, neither. For the glory of God can be revealed through this miracle. And I, I just, I just want to say this out loud because some people need to hear this. It's not a sin to be sick. There's this stigma that we have in the church around mental health. When someone breaks their arm, no one has issues with them wearing a cast and taking six weeks to get healed. But when someone is depressed, we just lay hands on them and tongues over them and pray for them. You're healed. And we shame them for not being healed in the moment. Why is it okay for your broken arm to take six weeks, but your broken soul needs six minutes now? Come on, what's up with that? And what's crazy is that someone will walk in these rooms with crutches and a wheelchair. And I'm like, oh my gosh, let me, let me help you find a seat. We'll, we'll, do you need water? We'll do everything we can to be hospitable for that person. But often when you're dealing with mental health and depression and anxiety, you can hide it behind a smile. And you often don't get empathy. You often don't get sympathy. You often don't get help. Your kids are screaming. They must love. <laughs> Thank God. It's not daycares. Leadership development, by the way. And what's crazy is that they often will come to church, and not only is the is this depression the silent killer, but often the churches are just unequipped. We think just praying is going to make the pain go away. And we shame people into saying they have depression and not getting healed in that moment. Listen, if your arm needs six weeks to heal, your soul might need six months. It's not a sin to be sick. It's not a sin to be sick. And I want to just walk through this story of Mark chapter 7 and show you some practical implications of what mental health looks like. And it begins in Mark chapter 7, verse 31. Then Jesus left the vicinity of Tyre and went through, the, through Sidon and down to the Sea of Galilee and into the region of the Decapolis. This is 10 cities. And I'm just pointing this out that Jesus is not in home field advantage. He's, he's with the Gentiles. He's, he's, he's a visitor. And verse 32 says, There some people brought to him a man who was deaf and could hardly talk. And they begged Jesus to place his hands on him. Point number one. If you're taking notes in church, you want to write this down. If you don't take a notes, if you're not normally taking notes in church, you want to write this down. Why, Pastor? You're more likely to go to heaven if you write no, take notes in church. What's the percentage, Pastor? 95% more likely to go to heaven <laughs> if you take notes in church. It's just the truth. Point number one, silence doesn't protect you. Silence doesn't protect you. I love that this man can't even speak about his pain. They literally had to bring this man to Jesus, and he can't say anything. Shocking to me the number of people that have depression and anxiety, and they never tell anyone. And this man literally has, has his friends. They bring him to Jesus, and they have to tell Jesus what's going on. It's shocking to me how many people believe the lie of the enemy. Don't tell anyone. Don't tell anyone what you're going through. Just keep it to yourself. And one of the jobs of Pastor Yaz and myself and She's 10 times the pastor that I am, is to create environments where it's okay to not be okay. I wrote down like this. We want to create healthy community where you can communicate. We want to create a community where you can communicate, where you can share your pain and not be afraid, where it's okay to not be okay. And often the, the busiest people at church 
are the most depressed. I wrote down like this. Depression is not being able to talk about your problems while taking on everyone else's just to hide your own. Come on, that's what we do sometimes at church. We're so overwhelmed with life, with our marriage, with, with our finances, with our kids, that we just busy, busy, busy. And we're just stuffing down our pain. A loved one will die. We'll lose that job. Our relationship will end. All of our friends will get married, and we're still single, and it's overwhelming. And we'll just feel the busyness, pushing down the pain. I believe God in community can heal just about anything, but he can't heal what you hide. You're only as sick as your secrets, by the way. And the enemy will want to keep depression between your two ears, silent. Don't tell anyone. Don't get in community. Don't share. Be ashamed. Be afraid. But I'm telling you, the burden is too great. It's okay to not be okay. And then the story, then it continues in Mark chapter 7. After he took him aside, away from the crowd. Point number two is this. Crowds, they won't heal you. I love church. Anybody love church? Even at 5 o'clock, it's hard to come. And if, for those of you that were here last August, we all experienced hell together. It was awesome. Praying in Jesus' name, they add AC this year. I, I, I love Hebrews. It says, do not forsake the gathering of saints. There is something powerful that is way more powerful than Netflix church. Come on. Looks like he, sounds like he, but it just lacks fire, right? Come on. But this is not enough. This is a conversation starter. The goal is that you get alone with a therapist or a pastor and you talk about what's going on on the inside. I love that Jesus, even though he has the power to heal this man in public, he takes him alone. I wrote down like this. Getting ins- you get inspired with many, but you find healing with one. I love that in 1 John it says, confess your sins to God and he's faithful and just to forgive us. And then in John 5, James 5 verse 16 says, confess your sin to one another and you'll be healed. There's a healing that won't take place until you confess one-on-one. Come on, man. Some of you in this room, I, we preach and we do church in such a way to inspire you, but you can't do life alone. You were created for community. And there are so many people in this room that you think Sundays is enough. It is not enough. Jesus took this man from the crowds, which was what Sunday is, and he took him alone. And I, I say this because it's so important that you understand this sermon is first something that I have lived. In, in our, our Bay Area, Silicon Valley, Santa Clara County is the most restrictive county in probably the most restrictive state in America. It was illegal to do church in person for 60 weeks. Crazy. Illegal to do church. And when we got back, the hotel kicked us out because we were normally doing church. And pre-COVID, we were running 200 people. And it was a shock for a lot of our community that we went from 11 a.m. to 5 p.m. And overnight, all these people left. And the only way I can explain it is, how many have ever, like, broken up with someone? Anyone have a heartache? Come on. Get a, a, a sweetheart. Okay, which one hurts more? When you break up with them or when they break up with you? Come on, rejection is never fun. And what the only way I can explain this is we had a 30 to 40 people leave our church 
because they didn't want to do church at 5 o'clock. And it didn't feel like one person was breaking up with me. It felt like 30 people at the same time were breaking up with me. And for those of you in this room that have kids, you ever see a kid, like, fall down really, really badly, and you're like, and they, they don't say anything for, like, three seconds because it's so painful, they're out of breath, and then they scream? That's what the pandemic was when we came. April and May of last year, it hit me. And the pain was so great, I was silent. And then I started to feel it in June. And that's when I emailed my board saying, I'm done. I can't pastor this church anymore. It feels like our church is dying. It feels like God's done with me. I should just resign. And my wife's like, you need to chill. She's got more faith sometimes than I do. I'm way more. I'm the drama king. We don't have a drama queen in our home. <laughs> just being real. Come on. And my board was like, you need to go to another church and you need to preach. Because you're acting a fool. So I went to a church in Indiana, about 1,200 people. I went to a church in Vegas at 5,000 people. Preached the same stuff I'm doing here. That couldn't bring more than 35, 40 people in the room. And the the response, especially in Vegas, there was literally a line of 100 people just wanting to say thank you. Like, oh, man, your church must love you. I'm like, you have no clue. <laughs> you, ha- you have no clue. Yeah, right? And I remember I, I, I was bleeding on the inside. I, I didn't even want to be there. I drove all day Saturday. Anyone OCD just listen to the same song like 100 times? That's me. Same song, just driving around with tears in my eyes, not wanting to preach the next day because I just want to quit. And this old Asian man came up to me after service. He says, you probably won't believe me, but I hear from God. And God says you're discouraged, and he wants to tell you not to quit, and he walked away. I was in so much, I couldn't even receive it. And then after the, the hour of people saying hi, there was this one grandma who just had to talk to me alone. Man, this woman had tears come down her face. And she says, my son is addicted to drugs, and he's been addicted for 20 years, and I'm tired. And I came to church one last time because I was going to go home and kill myself. And your sermon encouraged me. And she just gave me a hug. And I'm like, man, if you don't, I'm there where you are, honey. Come on. Because no one knew where I was. And the reason why I tell you that is you can't get healing on Sunday. you got to tell someone. And my healing began in June when I pulled my board, when I pulled my wife, and I pulled my team and said, hey, guys, I'm depressed. I don't know if I'm going to make it. And the power of anxiety and mental health breaks when you talk about it. If you don't believe me, go read Brene's Brown book, The Gift of Imperfection. It's about how shame, the power of shame, the power of fear, the power of rejection is broken the more you talk about it. Study after study. Why? Because there's power in confession. And there are some of you in this room that come for the very first time. I'm so thankful that you're here. Believe when I say this, we created this church for unchurched people. If you're new, welcome. You are VIP here. But this is where the conversation starts. This is not where it ends. God wants to get you alone. God wants to talk to you. God wants you to confess to someone what's going on. 
Because when you bring it to the light, the darkness runs. And the enemy wants you to be alone and ashamed. Amen? So my question for you is, who are you going to tell what's going on? When are you going to stop pretending that everything's okay? Because the statistics I read, we're the most depressed country, most, de- most depressed generation in the history of America. Can we talk about it? And the story continues. John, Mark chapter 7, verse 33, Jesus put his fingers into the man's ears. My version says he licked them before he put them in there. <laughs> then he spit. It's dry willy in the Bible. Then he spit and touched the man's tongue. This is just weird, right? Jesus is spitting on a dude. What? Is he a Lakers fan? Like, what's going on? <laughs> Let me tell you why. In first century Middle Eastern culture, in this time period, saliva or spit was oftentimes seen as a healing agent or even medicine. This is Jesus tipping his hand, saying, I want to heal you, but through medicine. Point number three is this. Medicine can benefit you. Medicine can. I love that Jesus didn't say, be healed. He didn't lay hands on the guy and said, come out. He used the process. He used medicine. Some of you need to hear this. There's nothing shameful about going to a doctor and getting some help. Can we just remove that? Your pastor's in therapy. Some of you need it too. Come on. There's nothing shameful. And I know sometimes we, we think we're afraid. We're embarrassed to tell people we're on Prozac. Do you know Silicon Valley pre-pandemic had the highest number of prescription users of Prozac in the country? I don't even know what it is now. But there's this fear, this shame that we have sometimes using medicine. Man, let me tell you, my dad would not be alive because he had colon cancer without medicine. I had a tumor removed from my ear in, in the pandemic. I would not be here if it weren't for medicine. My wife and my first daughter would have died in the hospital room if it were not for medicine. I love medicine. But let me say it like this. The medicine that we need is sometimes not the medicine that we want. I mean, my daughter, we call her Chug Chug. She's three. She eats everything. Literally everything. And probably once a week, she'll be at the dinner table, and she'll kind of like push the food in front of her. That I'm full. And I know she's up to something. When she doesn't look me straight in the eye, she gives me side eye. Dad, I'm, I'm full. I'm hungry for ice cream. I'm like, girl, wait, you're not hungry for dinner, but you're hungry for ice cream? She's like, yes. No, 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 no. See, my daughter wants ice cream, but she needs fruits and vegetables. See, the medicine that you need sometimes is not the medicine that you want. Some of you need to go to sleep more. Some of you honestly need to work out more. Some of you need to change the way you eat. And the medicine that you need is not the medicine that you want. Listen, I don't work out for vanity. I work out for sanity. And I breathe. I control my breathing because it controls my heart rate and endorphins are released. And I say, God, Holy Spirit, I need a peace that surpasses understanding. Holy Spirit, come. I know you're here. See, everything's spiritual, but not everything's only spiritual. And the story continues. 
Jesus looked up to heaven. I could just preach a sermon on that. Some of you are just looking down on your problems, looking down on your marriage, looking down on your finances. You need to get your eyes up to heaven. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. And with a deep sigh. In our culture, sighing has a negative connotation. We sigh when we're groaning. But Romans 8 says that all of creation groans for the sons and daughters of God to be revealed. Amen? Some of you, you woke up with a sigh. When you think about your marriage, you sigh. When you think about your finances, you sigh. When you think about your, 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 your family, your, your friendships, your, your childlessness, you sigh. But let me tell you, sighing is still breathing. You're still breathing. Sighing is death by, don't let the, the, the lie of the enemy tell you stop Sighing is still breathing. And then it continues. Jesus said to him, Ephaphtha, which means be opened. At this, the man's ears were open. His tongue was loosed, and he began to speak plainly. One of the ways that you know you're healed is you can talk about what you came out of. And I want to end on this point. Jesus really loves you. The thing that we forget most often when we're going through pain and suffering, when we're in depression, is why would God let me go through this? Why me? Why is he allowing this? And we so quickly forget his love for us. I mean, I'm a pastor, and I doubted God's calling on my life. Felt like God was done with me. Felt like God was done using me. I'm like, he's done. And it felt like rejection, not just from people, but from God. And I know that's often what pain does. It causes you to forget. I don't know your story. I don't know where you came from. I don't know your religious background. God really loves you. God really loves you. I love the words of David. Whether I make my bed in the heavens or my bed in the depths of the earth. What's he saying? Whether I make my bed in heaven or hell, you're there with me. God will never, God will never leave you or forsake you. Doesn't matter what you're going through. Doesn't matter if you want to quit, God will never quit. Doesn't matter if you're unfaithful, God's still faithful. Amen? That's why he's a peace. That doesn't make sense. That surpasses understanding why. Because he's the God that will never leave you or forsake you. Silence won't protect you. Crowds won't heal you. Medicine can benefit you. And the truth that you need sometimes to get out of the darkness of the valley is that your Savior is preparing a table for you in the presence of your enemies. That Jesus really loves you. You guys can bow your heads and close your eyes. I want to pray for you. Thank you, Jesus, for everyone in this room that can hear the sound of my voice. God, I'm I want to pray for those that are hurting tonight. God, I want to pray for those that are suffering tonight. God, I want to pray for those that just are overwhelmed with anxious thoughts. Their mental health is overwhelming. And they're suffering in silence, God. Pray, Jesus, 
and it wouldn't be death by breath. Pray, Jesus, that we would, we would tell someone that we may be inspired in here, but we find healing with one. Pray, Lord, for the courage of those that are suffering silently with anxiety, with depression. We just want to pray right now in the name of Jesus, God. We, we break that spirit over them in the name of Jesus. Pray, God, that they would know that they're loved regardless of what's going on. That they would have a peace that surpasses understanding. Pray for those, Lord, that have thoughts of suicide and have never told anyone. Pray, Jesus, that they would find the courage to share. That those thoughts would leave them in the name of Jesus. I pray that they would be reminded that Jesus died of asphyxiation so that we never would have to. Pray for those that are overwhelmed, God, that are depressed. It's okay to not be okay. It's okay to not be okay. Healing's available in Jesus. It may take a time. If your arm takes six weeks, your heart might take six months, but healing is coming. Healing is coming. I want to just declare that truth over someone today. Healing is coming. There may be sorrow at night, but there's joy in the morning. Healing is coming. Jesus died on Friday, but he resurrected on Sunday. You may be in the valley, but you're, you're on the way. Your valley is not where you live. It's where you pass through. Your depression is a season, not a home. I just want to pray. Just specifically, I just feel the burden for those that are have never known what Christianity is all about. That Christianity is really not a religion. It's about a relationship with this living God. His name is Jesus. And 2,000 years ago, God became a man. And he lived a sinless and perfect life. Not to give us a religion. Not to give us a book. But he came to die for us on a cross. For your sins. For my sins. For all the mistakes that we've ever made. And he died the death that we should have died. He died by asphyxiation so that we could live. And this God wants to give you the free gift of your salvation, of eternal life. But you have one thing to do. Place your faith in him. Trust him. Worship him. Begin a relationship with him. Let me be very clear. You're not joining this church. You're not raising your hand to me. You're just declaring, I want to start a relationship with this living God named Jesus. With every eye closed every head bowed. If you want to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior for the very first time and you want to pray that prayer, on the count of three, I want you to raise your hand. One, two, three. I see your hand. Amen. Amen. You put your hand down. Just pray this prayer in your heart. Thank you, Jesus, for leaving heaven for me. Thank you, Jesus, for living this sinless, perfect life for me. Thank you for dying on a cross for my sin. Thank you that on the cross, God, you breathe 
your last breath and said, it is finished. And you took all the sin of the world and my sin upon yourself and you died. You died, Jesus, so that I could live. You were punished so that I could be blessed. You were rejected so that I could be accepted. You were pushed away so that I could be brought near. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for me. God, would you fill me with peace, yeah. the person of the Holy Spirit? Would you breathe on me, yeah. your presence, your spirit? I need yeah. your spirit, the spirit that surpasses understanding. Thank you, Jesus, that peace is a person. Yeah. Holy Spirit, would you help me hear your voice, to trust you, to listen to you, to obey you and follow you all the days of my life. Everybody said. Thanks so much for listening. We hope this message impacted you and inspires you to draw closer to Jesus. Subscribe to this podcast and give us a follow on Instagram at Centerset Church to keep up with all that God is doing in our community. Also, we'd love to be in prayer with you. If you have any prayer requests, please send them to info at centerset.church.